0: Welcome to the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shalat, and as always, I'm delighted to say that I have been joined by Varun Vasudevan.
1: How are you, Varun? Pretty good. I am good. Wow. Still the same as last week. Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> same same level of detail as last week. So great to see that. And Alex, uh, what shall we get from you today?
2: Uh, I'm okay, but I did just go on Twitter and see everyone clicking my FPL team, which isn't very nice.
0: Uh, well, shouldn't play FPL if you don't want that, but...
2: I mean, Neo, as, as responses go, that was as dry as varons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm catching one. I'm catching
0: yeah, one. You're, you're, catch you're, on you're contaminating all. <laughs> all of us. Yeah. Oh, dear. Anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're we've assembled today to talk about a few under-23 players um, that we expect to, well, shine in this upcoming 23-24 season so what we've done is each of us have picked out a couple players uh, who we are really looking forward to watching and we've obviously they're obviously very talented youngsters great potential etc etc but also to add a sort of tactics part flavor to it we'll also talk about how this maybe improve or give a unique dimension to the teams that they're playing for so that, that's that's what you can expect from this episode, there'll be 6 players we'll focus on, 2 each and hopefully we won't go on about anyone for a long time but let's see how that goes. Anyway, I think we should get started and we will get started uh, with Jeremy Doku who has been in the news quite a bit and I think Varun has an interesting stat about him so or rather a question about it
1: so uh, let's hear from you Varun. Okay, so it's a simple game. I am going to tell you guys a stat, uh, a metric. And you guys have to tell me what Jeremy, Jeremy Doku ranks on for it uh, in terms of percentile rank versus the top five league attacking midfielders and wingers. So it's should, really I close
2: the, should I cl- close my foot breath tab or does that ruin yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> please do that. That's exactly what you have to close.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so simple, I throw out the stat. You guys give me a percentile between 0 and 100. Uh, which he ranks for. Okay, shall we start? Yeah, good. Let's let's go. Okay, Alex first, then Neil. Oh, okay. Um First stat: take-ons attempted. Uh,
2: ninety-nine.
1: Same. Okay, both of you are right. It's ninety-nine. Next um, carries into the final third.
2: Ninety-seven.
1: Ninety-two. Okay, both of you got it a little wrong. It's ninety-nine percentile again. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, next yeah. progressive carries
2: it's 99.
1: 99. Okay, both of you got it right. It's 99 again. The <laughs> last one and the tricky one. This is going to be the trick question, yeah. Yeah. Take-on success percentage. Basically, take-ons attempted. Uh, sorry, take-ons uh, yeah, succeeded go on, go on. divided by take-ons attempted, the percentage. What does he rank for that? So this is against other forwards and wingers, right? Yeah. In the top five leagues, last 365. Top five leagues, base. attacking midfielders and
2: wingers. I reckon his percentage is between like, you and 45% we should rank about, okay, I'm gonna go 88% Tile okay. yeah. uh,
1: I'm gonna go I'm gonna go 63 Okay, so newsflash, it's 99% again <laughs>
2: <laughs> He out tricked us
1: <laughs> what, what was
2: the success rate?
1: The success rate is I don't know man, it's something like 43 or 44 or something okay.
2: I have it up as I am about to talk is, about it. Yeah, of course, it is. Um, 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 it, it doesn't show up on Footpref's, uh simple profile. So if I scroll down, his success rate is uh, 60%. And that, oh, is, wow. yeah. that is crazy. Yeah, that is mad.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, my, my point is, we could be looking at one of the best dribblers in Europe already. So, I mean, I think that is a good intro into what Doku is all about. But I think Alex is the one who's gone into the details. So let's start there. Alex, what can you tell us about Doku in, in terms of background and how did this move come about?
2: Yeah, I think mean, this is the best setup up we're going to have today, really, isn't it? Manchester City's new signing um, and, as owners has pointed out, exceptional dribbler. Uh, he's had a bit of a varied career, I'd say. He came He went through a couple of clubs in Belgium, he came through Anderlecht under Vincent Company, where he played his first season, then moved to Rennes in 2020. And he's had his time impacted, I'd say, uh, through injuries at Ren. really. It's uh, he, he, something he definitely struggled with a bit. Um, but the, the, the positive thing is that despite missing, I think it was like 10 to 15 games in the 21-22 season uh, across club and country, is that those injuries haven't affected him at all, as Aaron's kind of very uh, clearly pointed out. He's uh, an exceptional uh, dribbler. I mean... We'll talk through just a bit now about what he's like with his stats and what he's like on the field, add a bit more detail. I think we've got a very good picture of his dribbling. Uh, where he lacks a little bit is an end product. I think last season he got, I want to say, eight goals and assists. Um, from an XG, uh, I have it now in front of me, about 10.5. Uh, combined non penalty goals and expected assisted goals. And that was his best season ever in terms of output. So not the greatest. Uh but he is twenty-one years old and that dribbling is gonna play a vital role at Manchester City. Uh, may I explain more, chaps?
1: Please. Yeah, do. maybe a bit on where does he play for Ren? Like what's their formation? What? Where and does he Are they go? gonna kill him like Grealish?
2: That's a good point <laughs> as well, actually. Yeah, because that Ren Ren's formation's interesting. They play So, uh, it's a good point to bring up. They play four 4 two under Bruno Genesio, who's the worst coach in France, that's my personal opinion. And um, <laughs> essentially the right the right midfielder in the 4-4-2 tucks in and the left midfielder pushes forward to make left wing sometimes he'll switch to a back 3 mix it up a little bit but that's generally the basic system and doku doku being you know a very natural winger has usually played on the left hand side but i think there's an argument to be made that his best position is actually on the right and i think that's where he'll play at manchester city because Hmm. Where he fits in at City, and we'll see if you two agree at this as well, is that after losing Sterling last season, they lost a one v one specialist, and off after losing maros in the summer, they lost another one v one specialist, and Pep's teams around the midpoint of last year became a bit more focused to retaining possession. Uh, that that was the the shift tactically, right? Go more into a he's three two four one setup. Uh, retain the ball. Sometimes go direct with Haaland, but trying to limit the uh, dif- your defensive transitions, which means that Doku coming in is now a pretty unique profile in their squad. They've not really got anyone like him. This, as as Ramos pointed out, well class dribbler already. So he can come in, and I think his role straight away will be super sub for City against tired teams when they're trying to break him down for a, you know from a defeat to a draw or a draw to a win. Doku is just that chaos element you can throw on. He's almost guaranteed to beat someone in the one v one because sixty percent—that is as high as I can remember uh, seeing of any winger recently. I think that no wonder that ranks in ninety-nine. Um, see, he's it, it, guaranteed to beat one or two men like in and around the final third, which upsets the opposition block, creates space for City to exploit. As long as you can work on that final third output, then you've got a really special player there. I think it's either of you guys have countering opinions. Uh, Neil has his hand up in our Zencaster chat. Neil, why have you got your hand up? Yeah, well, for good reason.
0: Because you said that City haven't got anyone like Doku. But I would like to counter that by saying that they did sign Jack Grealish, who is pretty mm. damn good at 1v1s when he was at Aston Villa. Uh, and he's still very good, but he just doesn't do them uh, very often because, as you rightly said, they're more focused uh, on retaining possession and stuff like that. So, my, I think he comes in as a, probably a starting option, really, for that right-wing position, where I think it will be between him and Bernardo Silva for the most part. Uh, and almost, I think their job will to be almost sort of mirror what Jack Grealish does on the left. Uh, and if he's starting, then obviously you might expect many times uh, Silva to be put into midfield. Especially in big games, he offers them a lot of flexibility in terms of the exact sort of setup they want to use you know he can drop in alongside Rodri or he can play a more attacking role he can play a box-to-box role he can do everything so I think um, Doku has been signed as a, as a starting contender or Silva understudy for that right wing position where l- like they did with Grealish they base what they did with Grealish essentially in my opinion is they took his amazing dribbling amazing ball control and told him to to use all of that, but not to get past players, but rather to keep the ball. Uh, and I think they're going to tell Doku hmm. to do the same stuff on the right.
2: That'd be, that'd be interesting to see. And uh, Varun also has his hand up, but unfortunately, Neil has spoken for half an hour there and we have all committed <laughs> to making this podcast shorter. So I'm going to put your hand down, Varun, and instead, are uh, oh, you not even able to talk next about our next player? Sorry, you're going to have to be quiet for now because up in our podcast script that Neil organised, we've got... Ernst Numa. Ernest Numa. Numa. Now, my introduction to this Neil was, as you could tell, I don't really know too much about him. I think I've not actually looked at the script, but I think he's come through, yeah, uh, Northland, I want to say Scandinavia. And the reason I'm, the reason I'm saying that is I saw Harry Brooks on Twitter say Spurs should sign this guy, and genuinely no word of like twenty four hours later they were linked to him. And I was like, well, that's impressive, I want to know about him. So tell me about Ernst Nuama.
0: Well, you haven't heard of him now, but I can bet my house you will have heard of him within the next three months because this guy is sensational. So, As you said, he, he came through at Epsen Now, he was born in Ghana, uh, and he came through the Right to Dream Academy, which is a wonderful project that Notchalond have been doing for over a decade now, I think, where they have set up a few academies in Africa, where they train, well, yeah, they have mostly, you know, younger age groups that come through. So mostly like children, and then they train them uh, in the academy, also take care of their education and everything. And then eventually, as they grow old enough, uh, many of them will move moves uh, to North Ceylon. Uh, and I think they've already p- produced close to 150 professional players coming through that academy. So that's a great project. And uh, Nuama, I would argue, is probably the best player to come through it. Certainly looks like that uh, in terms of his impact at North Zealand. So now he signed for North Zealand uh, in January of 2022, so about a year and a half ago. Uh obviously that's in the middle of the season uh, in Denmark and he did, did he did pretty good for someone who's come into Europe for the first time. He's he slotted in very well, but he had a real breakout season last year uh, with 16 goals and assists in just 30 league appearances. Uh and he he took that a step forward this year where in about the first month of the season he was without a shadow of a doubt the best player in the league by some distance and he won the player of the month award and he he's just been so good and he's developed a lot already I'd say um at North Ceylon. from The moment he came in you could see that technically this guy was already superb like his close ball control is amazing. He's also a very very good dribbler can get past anyone one v one we want, and can also get into tight spaces really well and what i really like about him is how, how he can go both ways so he generally tends to play off the right but can also start centrally but again likes to drift to the right but when he's squaring people up he can go both ways he is left footed um or rather that is his preferred foot his right is not too bad uh, but he he's very confident going both ways and he's got really rapid acceleration so once he gets past a defender he's gone no one's catching him but the best part about him, especially this season, has been his decision making because we see this so often with young players coming through at clubs, right? You know they're super exciting, great dribblers, but then when they get to the final third, they can be a bit frustrating at these times. But Noama has never been frustrating. His decision making from the moment he's come in, and especially this season, has been superb. So he's as, he, in his first full season, he basically averaged a goal or an assist in every two appearances, which is Absolutely incredible for someone who's like 18, 18 or years old. And another thing I like about him is his off-ball movement, especially inside the box. A good few of his goals are tap-ins, which is, I mean, some people say that those are easy goals to score, but they aren't really, because you have to position yourself really well to get on the end of those cutbacks and crosses. And that's generally a trait you associate with strikers. And as I said, Nuama can play centrally, but I think he's better off as a right winger. He's definitely played more as a right winger. And this quality of his is pretty relatively rare in wingers. But at the far post, he can be a real goal threat as well. So, I think it's safe to say I really like this guy. Uh, I'm wondering if Varun has his hand up for this or for, for the last one. So, do you have
1: something to add, Varun? No, not really. I'm just sad my city opinion wasn't taken. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, nothing uh, on Nuama. And I think you've nailed it so far. From what what little I know of him, you've nailed it so far.
0: Okay, that that's great to hear. Now, the last bit is why you will hear about him in the next three months. And that is because he is off to Leon. I think he's already been announced, if I'm not wrong, or definitely should be by the time this podcast goes out. Uh, and there, he will, of course, be linking up with a, a certain Ryan Sharkey, who I'm sure most of you have heard of. Uh, now, I have been sort of thinking about how that will work, because my initial instinct was that maybe they may get in each other's way a bit because they're both sort of right-sided players who really do like to come in centrally and cause damage. Uh, but I think ultimately, they should find a way to work together. Uh, Nuama is a great, as I said, better off on the right side and he can start on the touchline and get past people, whereas Sharkey definitely someone who is best off starting centrally. So I think with Sharkey as the 10, Nuam as the right-winger, Leon are going to be super, super dangerous this season. And both of them, I mean, both of them are individually game winners. And with uh, Noama's off-ball movement, with Cherki's link passing, I think they're going to form a devastating strike partnership. I think Alex has something to add to that. So, go on, Alex. Oh, you don't? Interesting. Alex has now that he doesn't have oh, something there. I,
2: I, I took my hand and I said, I'm muting my microphone. That was fun. Uh, I was going to say that, <laughs> that <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, why you were know, was actually an analysis of interesting. I may say it was. I was really enjoying that listen and I'm very happy to learn about it. Unfortunately, if he's off to Leon, we might not hear about him again because if you go to get football and read about the club, you'll see he's burning down to the ground and it oh, well. might even be a shock if Cherky's there. I saw today that from get French Football News that Barcola's asked to leave. So um, hopefully Nuama joins a resurgent, Leon. <laughs> because I, I, was think... re- I was really in until you said he's off <laughs> to Leon. Now I'm a bit worried.
0: <laughs> no, but he, he's been, at least from what I've read, he's been signed as Bakola's replacement. So ah. uh, uh, there were a fair few clubs in for him. Uh, Rans put in a bid of about, I think, 15 million euros, was rejected. Ajax were also interested. Uh, linked to basically everyone almost, uh, including PSG. Uh, but, oh, that reminds me. Before one of his games, very recently, I think against Rondes, the opposition club, that is Rondes, put out a, a sort of an official statement on Twitter, like sort of joking one, which basically sort of encouraged all the clubs who were linked with him to please sign him in the next two business days so they didn't have to face him. <laughs> uh, sadly, that didn't go out, that, that didn't work for them, but uh, yeah. that's very good. Uh, very good player, and yeah, on the on Leon point. I think he's only come in because Bakola has left. Because otherwise, those two would get—they would definitely get in each other's way. Like they play the same position. So he's—I would say—I would say an upgrade on Bakola, honestly.
2: Nice. Well, you—you you two have got another league and player to talk about now, haven't you?
0: Yes. Let's let's go on to him. I think Varun has got some stuff on Wanderson, which is definitely an interesting pick. Pick. Uh, not as flashy as Noama, but uh, definitely worth learning more about. So take it away, Varun
1: well i will debate the not as flashy as p- uh, part because vanderson is pretty flashy and uh, i've actually been seeing him for a while i mean obviously one reason vested interest is united right back slot and all that but in general he's he's a very fun player to watch so he he's a brazilian um came through the gremio youth and he broke into the first team within um, a few months got 30 appearances for them Then Monaco signed him for 11 million. And the interesting part is he became an immediate mainstay. So, he comes in like Jan 2022. And the second half of the season, he has 15 starts. And then the last season, 22-23, he has 29 continuous starts, uh, more or less continuous starts. So, he's now become a mainstay. You cannot imagine the Monaco team without him. And in just one and a half years, it's not been that long. So... um, I mean, the first thing, if you've seen any game with Manderson, is his speed. That is very noticeable. He is fast. He is rapid uh, without the ball. He's also pretty fast with the ball. His dribbling is good and he has a lot of flair. Uh, that's what I was saying. He has all those typical fun Brazilian moves. You know, he does one backheel move a lot. He likes to receive and, you know, uh, push the ball behind his legs and then cut past. So, things that Daniel Alves would often do. He, there is a lot of Daniel Alves in him when he's running with the ball. Um, and then he has very good pass variation. He can cross it from deep if he uh, if he's seeing someone uh, make an early run, or he can keep carrying and have that cut back from the byline, or he can fizzle a through ball into the right half space. So he has that whole variation. He's not one of those very limited, oh, just run and cross types. So I think that is one big, big plus he has over right backs his age. Uh, he's a very intense defender. He actually has very high stats for everything like tackles interceptions and you can see it in the game as well he he has that bite uh in a tackle that also makes him a little extra aggressive he presses a bit too high at times uh we'll get there but i think overall it's 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 a very good front foot defender that you're getting which is also a very positive thing a lot of your Modern fullbacks aren't as intense defenders and Manderson's really good. He doesn't let his man get past him easily. He really makes it tough for someone to dribble past him. Um, for Monaco, he has been playing. So I mean, by now you would have realized he is really a wingback material. And in fact, on any of the stat sites, on who Code or FBref, you'll see he's compared with midfielders, uh, right midfielders. Or on some formations, he's given the RM tag. Um, technically, on, on paper, he's been playing right wing back for almost most of the one and a half years. So they play a five-three-two. 2 and he is the designated right wing back. And in possession, how it becomes, you know, the modern interpretation, you know, how are you forming your 2 3 5 or 3 2 5? He is the fifth guy on the right. He joins the front 5 in the attack. And they form an attack with Mina Mino, Ben Yedder, Golovin, and Henrique, the other wing back. So it's your classic two wing backs uh, join the front 3 to make the front 5. So, and I think that's a very good way to visualize him. He should be your most you know wide right side attacker then if we come to weaknesses or improvements um i would say he's a much better long passer he is very very switch and cross heavy and he's always looking for that very very ambitious pass you know a through ball or a switch um and even if it's a grounded cross or a floated cross he's not really the guy you want making short passes he's not very retention focused his Pass percentage is pretty low. It's like seventy-three percent or seventy-four percent. He's not the guy who's retaining possession. You can't use him in midfield or deep uh, in build-up. So that is one issue. Um, and um, he's just twenty-two, though. So I mean, we have seen a lot of young fullbacks being converted to an inverted role or a more conservative role in recent times. But as of now, he looks very, very much like a you know wide wing back type. Um, Alex, do you have um, uh, anything to add, or Neil, if you have anything to add so far?
0: Yeah, I you know based on what you said and based of, from what I've seen, I, I agree with like the fact that he's really a really attack-minded player. So on that point, I'm just wondering what you think about you know his future, like how he might fit in at uh, an elite level club if he if he does make the step up, because most of them especially right now, most of them do not have this, you know, attacking wing back role where you play in the front five and spend most of your time in the attacking third. So as you said, do you think he could be converted to a deeper, maybe inverted right back or do you think he's better off almost like a Philip Kostic who spent his best years at Frankfurt, you know, playing a
1: wing back role and just shining in there. So interested to get your thoughts on that. I don't know. I mean, that is a big, big question. Because if you look at the two clubs that have been chasing him, apparently, according to transfer rumours, they are Manchester United and Barcelona. And oddly, both of them play a brand of inverted right-back. I mean, Koundé plays that role for Barça, which allows Balde to go up and join the front five. So the role that Balde plays for Javi in the three-box three, box three uh, which we discussed last uh, episode, that is what Van Dusen plays for, for his team, you know, or can play, you know, the the guy who joins the front five, not the guy who inverts and tucks in. So, I don't know. For United, it's the same. Um, we want a Dalot or Van Bissaka competitor and both of them have largely be, been playing inverted roles. I think there is a sense looking especially at his good passing because his passing is good. I would actually say he's a better passer than dribbler. He's a dribbler not in the sense of consistently beating his man but in the sense of having control and flair. So I think coaches and managers are looking at him and saying there's a lot of technique there. There's good passing there. He can switch play. So why not, you know, have him in an inverter and maybe an aggressive inverted role, you know, something like what Mazrai played for Ajax, for example. Ten Hag's right backs are not very, very uh, uh, conservative. They have that license to go into the right half space or even at times overlap. So probably that is the thought process. Latest rumors seem to suggest that both clubs are kind of done. Uh, with right-back search for this summer and they might return in 2024. So, I think Vanderson staying for another season. And I think a lot of clubs will get an opportunity to see him for one more year before deciding that. And I can only see him go from strength to strength. I think he's an amazing player. And as you said, maybe there will be some other clubs who will be willing to play him as a wing-back um, uh, uh, without, you know, inverting him and stuff. So... I think that's on Manderson. I think that's enough said. Let's now go to another exciting prospect. So when we had to pick Wonder Kids, uh, Neil thought a lot. He had one or two other suggestions. And then he finally came to Rooney Pardi. How How is it pronounced, Neil? Bardakji.
0: Oh, okay. I would have so you imagine there's an A there.
1: Uh, okay, cool. So Neil, I when you going to start know...
2: picking proper brexit english players when, when is like greg taylor gonna come up as he's way, where
1: is like alex scott you know the simple names exactly <laughs> two syllables on, that's you're, you're not getting those before i'm on my that's I, better also here.
2: i don't know why i'm saying that considering play i have after uh yeah, Bard, yeah. Bard, yeah. <laughs> i'll be quiet again but
0: that's arguably like i'll be like just reading it it's an even tougher name but anyway we will save
1: that for later I'm just going to call him Rooney for now. Good. So um, I, it also reminds me of my favorite player. But anyway, he
2: brexified him. This
1: is what English commentators are going to do to him if he comes to the Premier League. Like, he better get used to it.
2: Here's <laughs> Rooney Bardaji down the wing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a strike from Rooney. You, know, you can just re record that everywhere. Um, So yeah, I mean, tell us about Rooney. Um, I I really like the fact that he comes from, you know, from Kuwait, born to a Syrian family. There's like really nice roots there nothing like the Brexit vibes. So tell us more about him, Neil. Yeah,
0: there's no Brexit here. As you say, he has a really interesting background. As you mentioned, born, he was born in Kuwait to a Syrian family. And then he moved uh, to Sweden at the age of seven, which is where he started playing football. Obviously started off, you know, with local clubs and teams. And ultimately, uh, he was picked up by Malmö, who are, of course, real giants in Sweden. I think that was only in 2019. Now, he was born in 2005, so that's when he was about 14. And then he went with them to some youth tournament, I forget which, where he was scouted by EPSA who whose scout basically decided that at any cost they had to get him. So they went and signed him in 2020. And... For, for, uh, even at Malmo, like, I don't think he lived in the city. So, th- th- like, Etzer did a great documentary on him, I think, fairly recently when he signed a contract extension. Uh, so, there he mentioned that, like, at in his year at Malmo, he would have to travel, like, take a long train to and from, like, training and obviously to be home. Uh, so, he, he especially that year, he had to, you know, basically do a lot of traveling uh, alongside his footballing and studying and stuff. But uh, afterwards, when Köppenhaven came in, in, they basically brought him over. uh, And he only spent about, like, less than a year with the U team because immediately after he turned 16, which is, I imagine, after which you're eligible to play in the Danish Superliga, like, less than a week after his birthday, he was handed his debut. And not just a debut, a start. Because these guys knew that they have a real, real talent on their hands. And he showed it from his first game. Like, he was skinning, you know, like 30-year-old fullbacks on his debut. Like, he was running rings around them. uh, And you could immediately see all the qualities he had. Like like Nuama. A sensational dribbler. Incredible ball control. You just can't get it off him. I mean, this is all, I do not condone this in any way. But people imme- immediately started calling him the Swedish Messi.
1: Again. Oh, that's two episodes in a row, Neil. You yeah. come <laughs> up with uh, the next Messi for us. I think I think that's just Neil's favorite pastime. He's just but sitting and going through who can be the next Messi. <laughs> it's you. It's you're the. Neil's actually a Twitter. casual football fan. Yeah, I said I is, do not
0: condone a, this. He's a casual. Uh, uh, but the, I mean, the point is, you know, he's you know relatively shorter, so he's got a low side of gravity, and obviously, unbelievable touch and control. So there are similarities in the dribbling technique is all I'm saying. But again, what I really like about Bardakji is one that from day one, he's been super confident, you know, taking on people like twice as old as him. And he's just running rings around them. And then again, his decision making is pretty good too. He's not someone who'll hog the ball too much. Uh, and, and even at a, like even as a child, basically, he was strong enough to hold off defenders on his back. And obviously, as he's growing, he will get stronger uh, and stronger because I think he's only 17 now. He turns 18 in November, so he's still a kid. Uh, And what I like about him is that he's really positionally intelligent, so he does really well. You can play him on the right wing out wide or you can play him uh, in sort of the right half space. And he's very good at receiving passes between the lines there. So he'll, he'll, he'll place himself really well and obviously, he's got great touch to receive. And like Nuama, he gets into the box uh, and can get on the end of tap-ins as well. And he's also really good at sort of one-twos or quick passing in the final third. The only, uh, like, I I didn't mention any weaknesses for Nuama because I don't think there's any glaring ones in him. Like, my only question with him is how he can translate to a higher level. But that's all. In terms of the overall game, I can't see anything. With Bardakchi, I think the one main area of improvement for him would probably be his finishing. Because when he gets into the box, he, especially like sort of mid-range shooting, like, you know, like closer to the edge of the box, he, it's mostly, he mostly depends on power. Like he can cut inside and obviously send a curler to the top corner, but from any other angle, he mostly just tries to put as much power into it as he can, rather than always looking for like the corners. So I think that's the one area where he can get better.
1: But I think Warren has something to ask about him now. So, oh well. He, uh, actually, I no. Know. I was I was about to ask you about his weaknesses and the fact that he's seventeen. So I thought there'll be things to improve. But you kind of but covered he's it well. Very
0: good already, man. Like it's it's crazy to think, but like he was basically going to be a starter May- maybe, for them last season.
1: M- maybe he's he, a- as good as Messi at seventeen. Huh? Okay, look, I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying
0: I'm not saying anything there. But honestly, he was as he was basically going. I think he was going to be a starter for them last season. But then he had some injury issues. And obviously, it's really important to take care of, especially children, uh, as we have learned now with Pedri. Uh, so I think Cuban Heaven did well and basically sat him out for half the season and then slowly faced him in first with the youth team and then eventually slowly the senior team. But now he's uh, he's absolutely set for a breakout season. He's definitely going to be a key starter on the right wing. And like the guy's doing everything now. Like I, I-, I need to look into this more because I've only seen a couple of their matches so far. But like in many of the games, when they're building up from goal kicks, he will drop into midfield to form a double pivot. And he's doing really well in progressing the ball to mind. This guy's a right winger, so you don't expect to see him there. But he's doing that, and he's doing it, at least from what I've seen, the limited sample, he's doing it very, very well. So, yeah, I mean, I think I went on a bit too much about him. But if you can't tell, I am really excited. Like, this kid is the future. So, watch out for him. Uh, Definitely next window. There are going to be a lot of rumors, uh, when he turns closer or when he's close to eighteen or after he turns eighteen. So yeah, I think that's enough, uh, for Paradakchi, But as I say, very very good player. Now let us move on to the aforementioned player that Alex was going to talk about, who has an even tougher name, certainly to read. It's um gone. Aster Wrongs. Yes, this is me. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I've heard commentators say it, but, like, if if you pulled a random person on the street and showed them V-R-A-N-C-K-X, they would be very confused. Anyway, go on.
2: Well, this this will be quicker than uh, your section, mainly because uh, Arsdavronk is uh, a bit of a rough year, really. So you may have heard his name. He moved from Wolfsburg to Milan last season. Uh, last summer as part of Palo Maldini's sort Maldini's of youth recruitment drive. And he was probably one of the players that Milan looked at when they sacked Maldini because he only played 10 games. And he's gone back to Wolfsburg. And now he's on the the brink of joining PSV. So on the face of it, what's the story there, right? Played 10 appearances. He's done basically nothing in that time. Um, I think he played like 0.290s or something insane. Like, barely anything. But this was a really... Uh, high potential player coming through of Wolfsburg. He played a lot more minutes in the season prior to joining Milan. This is the reason they they uh, signed him on loan with an option for a twelve million pound um, or twelve million euro uh, buy option, and he, he, he's a very interesting midfielder in the sense that. He's still 20, but coming at Wolfsburg playing the Bundesliga when he's 18, 19 years old, he's often pushed quite further forward than he has before. He's meant to be more of like a box-to-box player. Sometimes he was playing on the wing at Wolfsburg. Um, he was playing, taking at the fourth most shots in the squad per 19, not taking that many passes in the Wolfsburg team. But I'm really interested to uh, see how he gets on at PSV. And it really isn't too much to do this. This is much more of a just uh, keeping eye on him because... PSV under Peter Bosch, um not a manager I rate particularly highly, personally, but we'll put that aside till a second. Uh Wrong's could, could go in two directions. Uh, he's, he's extremely good in tight spaces, maybe he gets pushed further forward, it's more of an attacking midfielder, and maybe PSV really get that ammo out of him. Bosch did do some of that with Lucas Paqueta and Leon. Or maybe he becomes um a debutant to uh, Ibrahim Zangari if he ever leaves. And it's rolled more into a defensive option. He was he ranked pretty high at Wolfsburg for his defensive work, his particularly his tackles per 90. There might have been more in the press. And it's worth remembering as well. He was at Wolfsburg before Niko Kovac took over, so when they were absolutely calamitous. Uh, but he's just he he's gonna be written off, and he's probably a name you know, most people listening can't remember. But definitely keep an eye on for him if you're news to PSV, because very interesting player. Very, very agile. Very much the modern midfielder. Also, I think, two-footed. Uh So, very high-potential player there. And moving on to another high-potential player, uh, we have got Samuel Ricci. And I have it down that Varun is... I've butchered your name more, Varun, there. I, my apologies. <laughs> uh, is due to talk about him. Again, I don't know too much about this guy. By his name, I'm guessing he's Italian, which gives me high hopes. So, give us a story, please.
0: Hold on, sorry. I will interrupt that by saying that Alex... Do you know when you said you thought Petr Bosch is not a very good manager? Yeah. Do you know the exact next second what happened? What? Varun raised his hand. So, I'm just wondering, Varun, oh, do you have... I want
2: to hear
0: this. It'll be a big debate.
1: But uh, I actually okay. agree Look, with I'm Alex. I'm putting a one-minute time limit on this. So, Varun, best be quick. No, no, no. It won't require that much. I agree with Alex for most part. I'm not a great fan. But boss uh his attacking patterns are pretty good so my question or theory was going to be will that help frank's wrongs because uh in attack peter bosch is pretty good i mean it's just his defense which is all over the place yes yeah, because
2: he spends 99.9 percent of his coaching time on attack and it's like he's yeah. forgotten that teams have to defend but no, i do hear you and maybe that is why i kind of theorize you could get the paquetta treatment like he yeah. kept forward and uh Jerry Simone's
1: type of role, maybe.
2: Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's quite tall as well. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, like I said, a really unique profile. But yeah, you're right. Bosch's attacking patterns are good. It's just a pity he doesn't know what the word defending means. But now it's your turn. Back to Samuel, uh, Samuel Richie. There's not an Italian pronunciation to that, is there?
1: I think all our names, uh, the kids we have picked for today, have something in their name. Like it's Samuel Richie and not Ricky, which is um. a mistake I have made in the past. But um, anyways, coming back to Richie. So, I mean, you you pointed, uh, pointed out him being Italian and he's just in that range of Italian midfielders and they've been producing so many good ones. And he is the latest one in that factory. And I'm super impressed by him. I... F- first came across him almost two three years ago when I was doing my usual scouting articles and I wanted to look for a Matic replacement you know that was the time when a lot of people had Matic replacements like Coop Miners was one and I thought oh Samuel Richie looks nice and at that time he was he was with Empoli and since then he's only grown from strength strength to strength I mean at Empoli he had a bit of a more box-to-box kind of role he, he was well-rounded even then but he was like playing like the more conservative mizala in a diamond, you know, c- kind of role. Like the left-center midfield who would form the pivot at times. And he got promoted with them. But then Torino picked him in the middle of twenty twenty two 22 and then made him permanent. And here in Torino, he's had much more of a clear playmaker kind of role. He is the deepest person in midfield. And he's just so well-rounded. Firstly, I have to say that combination of being a really good athlete... And being technically sound, he has that. He's a very robust dweller um, on the ground and in the air. He he uses his body really well. Even something as simple as just receiving from the back line, shielding the ball and turning. He He's not like super fast at it, but his control... In combination with his upper body strength, he uses it really well. And he's a much tidy dribbler in tight spaces than he looks. Like He he looks like a tall, lanky guy. But then he has really good strides and really good control. So he's able to dribble in tight spaces. And I think his best trait is his security in passing. So... In 21-22, he was 98 percentile for pass percentage, you know, pass completion, and that's just been true for most of his career. He's a super secure passer, a combination of his technique and his uh, close control. He rarely loses the ball, and that is the reason his managers put him in that deepest role, you know, the one uh, in build-up, right? That Busquets kind of role, where everyone keeps passing back to him to begin the move again. He 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 loves being that linchpin, that fulcrum, and Areas of weakness or where he can improve. So he's not very good uh, in terms of attacking. And I, I don't mean this just in terms of shooting, even if you're talking about those really advanced plays, right? Very aggressive switches into the final third or onto the winger. He's not really that guy. Um, the Busquets or, you know, Nemanja Matic or Zubi comparison, th- those are the guys you have to compare him to. He's not really super, um, you know, attacking. And I think that's one thing that maybe top teams might be hesitating um, um, before going for him. So, that is one thing um, uh, I, I can say that is a weakness. But if you're limiting him to an efficient holding midfielder role, then I think he's pretty good. Um, and coming to uh, the transfer news around him, and there's actually been a lot of news. He's been linked to multiple clubs in between Real Madrid. We're pretty interested in him. But the club that has really come out and been very aggressive about wanting him is Lazio, and they were, actually Sari has said in a press conference that he he loves uh, and admires Ricci, and Lazio apparently had a 20 million bid turned down, and now Torino is asking for 30 million, and very recently when Fred was on the move and there were links of Fred to Lazio, uh, the director Lotito he came out and confirmed that. Um, we wanted to move for Fred, but Sari doesn't want Fred. He wants uh, Richie instead. So it's literally out there that Lazio wants Richie and they're currently negotiating a fee between 20 and 30 million. And I think it's a really good upgrade going from Torino to Lazio and I think Sari especially is the perfect manager for him. Uh, that deep-lying role that Jorginho played, for example, um, at Chelsea, you know, for Sari, I think Richie's tailor-made for that role. My guess is... He's going to be playing in a mid-three behind Zielinski and Luis Alberto. He'll be the base and they'll be the two eights in front of him. There's Danny Cataldi there as well. He might rotate a bit with him. But I think Richie can nail down that holding role spot at Lazio. So I I really have um, uh, big, big um, uh, expectations from Richie. Alex, what do you think about Samuel Richie?
2: Yeah, I got to ask my question before Neil. Uh, I was just going to say on the point about Lazio. I don't know if you mentioned it there because my earphone cut out. But um, I know that Sarri signed Marcos Antonio last season, mm-hmm. um, and he's apparently now on the way out. And he, I watched him a few times. He looked really fun at DM, but I think that kind of leads into your point of Richie coming in and uh, being a the successor there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think currently their options are Danny Cataldi. Uh, Cataldi has been playing there. Mm. And I think Richie can compete for that position and eventually take over from Cataldi. Like, I, I rate him well enough to uh, say that he can displace Cataldi and play behind Luis Alberto and Zielinski. That can be a very, very strong mid-three. One of the best in Syria, at least. Uh,
0: can I just ask, did Piotr Zielinski move to Lazio? Because that's news to me. And I distinctly remembered watching him for Napoli last week. So, have I been seeing things? <laughs> okay, Vic, or, I...
2: God, Neil, you did not miss that. Like, I have as well, because I was going to ask the same question. Yeah, he, he,
0: the Wikipedia says he's still at Napoli. So... Oh, but I'm
2: pulling the news, apparently he's talking yeah, about... Yeah, there were just...
0: rumours. I think he wants to move, but uh, they didn't agree a few or something.
1: But yeah, yeah I, I did see him I play think, for Napoli.
0: So, I think I'm yeah.
1: assuming both moves happen, and that could yeah. be an ideal but, midfield.
0: Yeah, but... I mean, Lazio actually have a very really fun set of midfielders uh, with Luis Alberto, Cataldi, oh, they as have you said. Daichi Kamada, right? Kamada, exactly. Daichi Kamada, oh, yeah. uh, Marcos Antonio, and so I Perdizicis think
1: As field. things stand, if they get Ricci and not Luis Alberto, uh, sorry, not uh, Zielinski. Oh man, I'm confusing all of them. Uh, <laughs> as things stand, if they don't get Zielinski, they can play Alberto Kamada, uh, Samuel Richie midfield. Hmm. Yeah. They've also got Vecino. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've got Vecchino and Cataldi as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well. there's
0: a good set there. Yeah. Should be interesting, though. Uh, should be interesting to see them as well this season. Perhaps something for some other day. But uh, I think that's that's our lot for today. Those are the six players we picked after much debate and deliberation. So, hopefully, they don't let us down this season. Um, as always, you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Varun at the Devils DNA, which is the account he runs. You can find Alex at EuroExpert underscore. And you can find me at Shaylot That's basically my name swapped around. And of course, you can find the GetFootball account or accounts. Uh, just uh, go and find uh, at GetFootballEU. And then we've linked uh, all, all the sister accounts for all the specific leagues and countries over there. So, of course please do keep a lookout on that account and all our various media outlets where just besides this podcast, we'll be covering football across Europe and the world with much more in the form of, you know, written news features, analysis, videos, opinions, and all sorts of stuff from some of the best analysts around. Uh, And you can find a link to everything in in the notes uh, of this podcast, wherever you get it. So you can go uh, and find everything from there. And if you can, please do rate the podcast uh, five stars if your app allows you to do that because that really helps us. And of course, uh, it would help us if you could share this uh, on on social media. So thank you very much for listening. A big thank you to you guys, uh, Alex and Varun for joining us. And we'll be back next week with another varied and interesting topic. So that should be fun. Take care until then. Goodbye.